Welcome to Living Water Radio. Being a homogeneous church is not the opposite of being a polarized church. They are the same. Today we're going to talk about the path toward unity. My name is Pastor David Burkadall. My wife, Reverend Sally Welch, is co-producing this podcast. Sally is a United Church of Christ slash Christian Church Disciples of Christ ordained minister focusing on ecumenical and interfaith ministry. I served Lutheran Christian congregations in Compton, California and in San Dimas, California for over 40 years. Today, maintaining our yard is my gym, and I'm active as a volunteer in the leadership of the 110 Evangelical Lutheran Church in America congregations in our area. Check out our first Living Water Radio podcast, number zero, Welcome and Introduction, for more information about us and this podcast. Today is the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Day, not Martin Luther Day. There's a difference, and believe it or not, I've encountered people who didn't know that. Martin Luther King exercised moral leadership. Remember that? He was a public theologian. Remember that? There is little of either today, and we're all on edge. Partly because of the pandemic, especially here in L.A. County, the most infected urban area in the country, where we are seeing some hope in slightly lower numbers of new cases and deaths, but lots of confusion with regard to who, when, and where questions about the availability of the various vaccines. And, of course, because of our national crisis in the remaining hours before the inauguration of President Joe Biden. It's been said that the first to strike is the first to have run out of ideas. Please ponder that for a moment. I saw a video of one of the thugs, or whatever they were, who stormed the Capitol on January 6th, the day of the Epiphany, screaming from the podium on the floor of the Senate, Jesus Christ, we invoke your name. Let me be clear about something. That wasn't a statement of faith. It was a statement of its opposite, superstition. Saying things in the name of Jesus, or in the name of God, or even in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, doesn't make things happen. It's not like in Harry Potter, where you say something in Latin and wave a stick and it happens. To say something, or call for something to be done in the name of God, as in the Bible, means to say something that is in accord with God's reality, God's self. It means that what is about to be done is in a accord with God's will. As Pastor Rick Warren said, our prayers are not to ask God to bless what we are doing. They are to ask that we might do what God is blessing. Do you think that those who violently and destructively entered our nation's Capitol building without legitimate reason or authority from the American people, who injured those who were duly charged with protecting our nation's legislative center, who destroyed and stole property, who searched for people to kill, were acting in accord with the reality or the will of God? I don't. Nevertheless, I think it's appropriate that we ask how we got to this place and how we can get out of it. Almost 70 million people voted for Donald Trump. I do not believe that it is because they were all Christian white nationalists or because they are Nazis or fascists or because they are rich people who want to protect their privileged place in the world or right-wingers looking to settle old scores. I do believe that many were and are exactly that, but not most. I think that most Trump supporters are people who felt they had no voice in the direction of our nation, that change had left them out, 
and that their values were being disregarded and disrespected. Much of Washington, D.C. is built on reclaimed swampland, hence the chance of the Trump campaign to drain the swamp. Radical elements and thugs twisted and built on this discontent and took the movement over the cliff. But the mainstream discontent remains. People's discontent doesn't go away because they lose an election, not when what is at stake isn't a piece of legislation, but a worldview. How have the mainline or old-line churches like Lutherans, my denomination, responded? Many of them with the same disregard for the meaning of the Eighth Commandment as the mainstream media. Did you ever listen to an entire speech of President Trump and then listen to how the mainstream media covered it? Why didn't the church speak out about that? Let me be clear about my feelings about President Trump. I think that he ran for office expecting to build his brand. When he actually won, he was in way over his head, and that he was possibly the worst president in the history of the United States, but that it's too soon to tell. Time and historians will have to make that determination. But I do think that he well may be the worst human being to ever have been president, that he placed himself above party and nation, that his administration was heading toward the destruction of our democracy. I'm not sure that he was a fascist, though. I think some of his followers were. I don't think he was organized and singular in political purpose enough for that. I think he was more of a royalist. I don't think he wanted to be a dictator. I think he wanted to be a king. I don't think he was loyal to anyone but Donald Trump, and I don't think that any of his followers, including the radicals, realized that until it was too late. So now there are a lot of wounded, bitter, and confused Trump followers out there. The radicals will behave like any hurt and cornered creatures with few options and no clear path forward. They will be dangerous. But what about the rest, the mainstream followers who are our fellow citizens and, more importantly, our brothers and sisters in Christ? Do we want to be the voice of the voiceless, or only the voiceless who are currently in vogue? What voice is it that we want to raise? If we are the Democratic Party at prayer, then not too much. If we are a collection of churches who are political and social service agencies using religious language and ritual as a sort of motif, then not too much either. I believe that a church that focuses on being the church, on changed lives, on the creedal beliefs that first unite us, is a church that can demonstrate a way toward unity. The unity I am speaking of does not require uniformity. It does require an absence of a my way or the highway approach, or the my politics or you're a Nazi, or you're a socialist approach. It requires a unity in a common relationship with the one true living God, in which we can find common purpose in the midst of political and social and racial diversity. How do we reach people, all people, with the gospel of Jesus Christ? The church growth movement was a popular approach to church development in the mid-80s to late 90s. It focused on people groups rather than on individuals and promoted the idea that evangelism must begin by understanding the culture of the people we are trying to reach and then communicating the gospel in culturally appropriate ways. One of its most promoted and controversial elements from its, its earliest days was a concept called the homogeneous unit principle. That principle, simply put, was a birds of a feather flock together idea. That is, people feel most comfortable with people most like themselves. People who are uncomfortable with one another will not flock together. People who are comfortable will. 
This principle was opposed by those who said it was too success-oriented, its compromise with culture made it nearly indistinguishable, just using different language, from culture, not inclusive, and that its pandering focus on young adults weakened more traditional multi-generational churches. All of this was and is true, in my opinion. Yet, in practice, we have embraced it wholeheartedly, just pandering to different people, and we have resisted all attacks to it in such a way that I think that it has become a contributing factor to the formation of our current divisions, both within the Church and our nation, both with regard to flattening the coronavirus curve and to our national political crisis. And ironically, it contains a clue to how we can move forward toward being a more united Church and nation. In fact, it's found in something we already have. No, something we already are. We are the body of Christ. We are one body with many members. In Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, the 12th chapter, starting with the 12th verse, he writes, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in the one Spirit we were all baptized into one body. Jews are Greeks, slaves are free, and we were all made to drink of one Spirit. Indeed, the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot would say, Because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear would say, Because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole body were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God arranged the members of the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many members, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the members of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable, and those members of the body that we think less honorable we clothe with greater honor, and our less respectable members are treated with greater respect, whereas our more respectable members do not need this. But God has so arranged the body, giving the greater honor to the inferior member, that there may be no dissension within the body, but the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together with it. If one member is honored, all rejoice together with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and individually members of it. What do we have to offer? Bias confirmation of your political and social beliefs, and the conviction that our political and social beliefs are confirmed by God? Come and be like us, because we are like you. That's the church growth homogeneous unit principle. That is, even people who proclaim that they are completely inclusive are people who have an organizing principle that excludes people who don't share their vision or their political or social opinions. How do we focus on something that transcends those things? By building on a solid foundation. This is not a time to support anything but our core beliefs, our common beliefs as children of God. Do you know who your brothers and sisters are? They are many kinds of members, parts of the body of Christ. They are children of God. Do you know why you didn't know that? Because you don't know who you are. 
You are children of God, and therefore brothers and sisters of each other. You are the body of Christ, one body with many members. Do you want to focus on white supremacy, on fake news, Christian nationalism, voter intimidation, election fraud? Fine. But let's start at a point of agreement and show each other how our faith has led to our practice. Let's show us how we are acting in the name of God and why and how we got there. And most importantly, show us in a spirit of love for one another. Maybe when we reflect in our ideas from our position as brothers and sisters, members of the body of Christ, we'll find that we can no longer believe those things. By building one another up in love, some of our ideas may change for the sake of one another. Who could deny that that would be for the better? There are lots of political parties and social service agencies. There is only one church. There's only one church with a capital C, the body of Christ. Let's be the paradoxical body of Christ, many members who are also homogeneous because Christ is the head of the body. Let's focus on that alone, moving forward, one in Christ. Today, let's remember to pray for all those caring for those with the coronavirus, for those who now have it, and for those who are in danger of getting it. And let's remember to pray the Lord's Prayer today, the one that Jesus taught us. If you don't know what that is, contact us at the Revs David and Sally at gmail.com or send us a tweet to at David Burkadal and we'll send it to you. Send your prayer requests to the same addresses and we'll include them next time. Send your comments there as well. As always, we encourage you to stay hydrated. Open your heart to receive the living water from the source, God's self, the living presence of the one true living God, the God who gave himself on the cross so that all who believe and are baptized might be restored to the living relationship with God for which we were created. Remember your church. Identify one if you don't already have one. Ask a friend about it or a family member. Google it. Contact the pastor. When you have a church, go to or tune in to the worship services they have currently available and support the church financially so that it will be there when we come back to fully physically present worship together. Support your pastor and church leaders. Pray for them and help them in any way that you can. If you or a loved one are having thoughts of suicide or are struggling with mental health issues, call somebody. Google a local or national hotline. Reach out. You are not alone. Wear a mask when you're outside your home, practice social distancing, wash or sanitize your hands regularly. Stay home unless you are providing essential services or need them. Avoid crowds and be outside if you have to be in a crowd. Be kind to everyone you come into contact with, especially those who are sacrificing their security to provide for yours. Thank you for listening to Living Water Radio. We are here for Christians and for the people of the Los Angeles metropolitan area who are looking for a sense of Christian community, a source of hope, and a way to thrive together during this global pandemic. We hope you'll tune in next time and invite your friends to do the same. Meanwhile, Sally and I encourage you to open your hearts to receive living water, the presence of the Holy Spirit, and stay hydrated. <music>